everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I usually introduce myself by kind of walking through my various career ventures, which, you know, probably seem disjointed to many of you and at times myself as well. But for today, I will introduce myself as a person instead of not my career, because I don't I don't know why I always do that. I think I feel the need for you to feel like I have some credibility or reason to be here. But the reality is, I'm just a person who likes to analyze things and likes to talk and loves pop culture and has since from a very young age. I'm from Virginia. I went to Virginia Tech. I am a Kappa Delta, if anybody was in a sorority. I was born in San Diego, California, in La Jolla. I, after college, moved from Virginia to New York, then to San Francisco and Chicago. I stayed in Chicago after being like, oh my God, this has a lot of what New York has, but is considerably cheaper and Midwestern people are pretty nice. Problem was, didn't live here in the winter. Only lived here in the summer. My first winter in Chicago, I it was I, I so misread the situation weather-wise that there was a blizzard. I told my then-boyfriend, now-husband Greg, I was going to come over. He said, ha ha, yeah. I thought he meant like, oh, great, see you soon. But really, he thought I was kidding because the weather was so bad. And then I proceeded to go outside in a literal blizzard and literally like a cartoon character had to hang on to a lamppost because the wind swept me off my feet. It was terrifying, but very funny now because... In Virginia, we get off school for two inches of snow, and I just did not understand serious inclement weather. I have a dog named Tugboat, who is the love of my life outside of my husband, Greg, who I met at 1.30 a.m. at a bar in New York City, and we went to get a slice of pizza, as people do when they're in their 20s and are at a bar after 1.30 a.m., and, you know, the rest is history. I'm an introvert, but I'm very friendly, and I and I love leaving my house, and I love going out to long dinners. I will ask you all your hope, hopes, fears, dreams, and regrets. You will probably feel a little bit weird after the dinner, like you said too much, but I will never feel that way because I just want to get to know people on that level. I walk very fast on sidewalks, and I have no, no patience for dilly-dallying. However, when I need to be somewhere and there is a time crunch, I will dilly-dally till the cows come home. I love, uh, I, I don't love sports, but I love to tailgate. I love going to wine country. I could literally, every vacation ever, I don't want to sit on a beach. I want to be going on a wine tour at some place where the stone is like older than Jesus. I love, I love buying new pens. I love like a, a, a oh gosh, a fresh stack of new pens, uninked, maybe some Pilot, uh, a Pilot G2, half a millimeter, Maybe a Papermate Inkjoy 0.7 millimeter. I love a fresh Ticonderoga, just a straight up graphite pencil. I just love any new writing utensil and a brand new notebook. I think that is one of the most satisfying and underrated joys of life. I love to, you know, for lack of a better word, hate, follow a lot of blogs, a lot of accounts, a lot of people. My favorites are ones that are very out of tune with their wealth. I love obsessing about the concept of sharing versus showing off and you know, when are you just being realistic about your life and sharing your day-to-day complaints? And when do, you know, when do we really not need to know your disappointment that your chopper was grounded due to rain? You know, it's just like, eh, a lot of people can't relate to that. There's a fine line. And, you know, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm working on a whole episode about influencers. Um, so stay tuned for that. But alas, the reason why we're here is because I love pop culture I love celebrity gossip. I love TV, music, movies. I My goal really, I love a specific reference. That's typically my goal is to bring up things that are somewhat universal experiences, but that you might not always tap into. 
but that also aren't cliche. Cliched nostalgia drives me nuts. I like it. I could, when people like post a meme being like, hey, remember Legends of the Hidden Temple? And it gets like a million likes. I'm like, guys, do you do any digging into your past whatsoever? That's the most basic of the game shows. If we're going to talk a, a niche Nickelodeon reference, let's at least discuss, you know, the short-lived cartoon interstitial Ambient Dexter that taught us all what ambidextrous meant because they were two tiny people that were able to paint that were represented like a right and left hand when they were done with their project. And I, I love educational things like that. How could I, I never forgot what ambidextrous meant, but also I never had to use that word because why would you use it? You know, I kind of wish they did something that was an actual like problem or thing adults get wrong so they could teach an entire generation how to do something correctly. Like if one of the little characters was named Ear and the other one was named Regardless and together they were Irregardless, but they made everybody so mad when they were together because they so did not work together and it makes no sense. And how has nobody broken them up over time and been like, hey, yo, ear, fall off a cliff. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, ear falls off a cliff, left standing is regardless. He or she is better on his or her own. And for the rest of time, people would stop freaking saying you're regardless. That I think I that's my new children's book idea. People love true crime. And I, I, I can just, you know, wax poetic about imagining the brutal takedowns of misused words and phrases that I do not like. If you've been here a while, you also know we talk a great deal about the likes of uh, the Royals, of Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. I love Beyonce. And oh my God, yes, I do know. My world's collided. My brain exploded. Beyonce and Meghan Markle met this weekend. I'll talk about that later in the episode. But I feel like everybody kind of seems to be in the beehive or a Swifty, and I just don't think those are mutually exclusive at all. And I'm just very tired of comparing everybody, you know? I mean, like, I love Beyonce so much, and, like, I, I think it's such an insult for anybody to compare Homecoming to absolutely anything because it's so perfect, it's so important, and it's so much bigger than, like, what it looked like, just the aesthetics or just the instruments or just the songs. Um... And when people said, like, Taylor Swift's me was copying Beyonce, I was like, guys, it's like, it's marching band. Like, if, if that's the case, then, you know, uh, isn't Beyonce ripping off the uh, Wildcats of East High from High School Musical? Albuquerque's finest high school in the East? They had a marching band. I mean, where does it end? Anyway, I guess with that pop culture segue, I'll end here. But I figured, eh, I usually spend, like, the first handful of minutes talking about what's going on or some thoughts I have. And even though to some reviewers chagrin, I talk about myself too much, <laughs> but it's my podcast. What am I supposed to do? Truly? That's like the most unhelpful review. I'm like, guys, I'm going to like, it, it, this is my 67th episode. Like I'm going to come up on occasion. And I'd argue that the ones that are here will ask me questions that are more personal, but the ones who just got here are like, I don't care what you have to say. And I just get so confused about how to balance it all. And I'm, if I'm nothing, if not very insecure about it. So that's why I'm telling you about that now. But anyway, I apologize if this at times is, is too um, insular. But you can always fast forward. And um, the uh, ultimately, the reason we're here is, is because of the thing I love the most, which is talking about any and all things related to being a, a teen, a preteen, even an older kid at the turn of the millennium, late 90s, early 2000s is my kind of I don't want to say bread and butter because I don't know what that means. I would suggest I'm some sort of like scholar as it relates to the 90s um, and the aughts. But 
really, I don't know. It's just a very, it's an important time that I remember in great, great detail. And I think I'm lucky that so many of my listeners are kind of in my exact age range, plus or minus probably five, 10 years. So we all had similar experiences in our youth. And one of these experiences that I thought would just transport you back to, to a poorly lit gym dance floor, perhaps a multi-purpose room that, that takes you back to a kitten heel, to a, an ill-fitting dress that you probably got in an argument while buying with your parents because, you know, Ashley or Jessica or somebody who's apparently a Vanderbilt shopped at Cache, and you can't possibly understand why the dress that you don't even like that you're going to grow out of in about three months worth $250 doesn't make sense for a 12-year-old. You're holding a green beverage that I believe we called leprechaun liquid, but I don't know if that's universal. That was a weird mixture of punch mixed with ice cream so it would foam at the top. It had a lovely texture similar to what we now know as an adult an egg white does to a cocktail. Picture yourself, you know, standing next to a full-length foil fringe door curtain. And, you know, just praying somebody asks you to dance when Casey and JoJo's All My Life comes on so that somebody can put their hand on your shoulders with limbs like a Ken doll that have absolutely no bendability at the elbow because you've got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. No freak dancing, no grinding. I, I think about all these things being dropped off by parents, feeling awkward when we get there early. The girls are on one side, the boys are on one side. Slow the, the music makes us all start to mingle. You hover around the punch bowl for a while. You circle dance a while. Maybe you get in one, one or two slow dances. But toward the end of the night is when things really get popping. And when they start to play songs that really get the crowd going. And you start to feel alive and like yourself. And who let the dogs out comes on. And you go, you're barking. You're going wild. Maybe some edited version of the thong song if you were lucky. Drums like a truck. I still don't really understand what that means. Followed by the, the sheer thrill of the cha-cha slide coming on. Because before you got tired of it because it's played at every wedding and everybody all of a sudden thinks they're a honky-tonk line dancer. It was quite exciting to know the choreography to a dance in middle school, especially if you never made the cheerleading squad. And then once you think it can't get any better, once the night's almost over and you're, you're fearing that there's going to be that one last slow song, maybe God must have spent a little more time on you and you're not going to get in a real banger first. You are blessed beyond blessed with this sick beat <laughs> that I think encapsulates the spirit of the middle school dance. And I cannot believe that they played this song for us. And it goes a little something like, I wonder if she could tell I'm hard right now. Hmm. Yeah. Come on. Dance for me, baby. <laughs> it's a little song called Too oh, Close God. by Next that you just heard. And that is the radio edit, believe it or not. And it's basically about when you're grinding and the guy gets so excited how the girl feels a little poke coming through. Now, I truly didn't think about that song very hard. No pun intended. Until mm, 2010, I was like, wait a second. That wasn't about what I thought it was about. Holy crap, that is incredibly suggestive. It was very unedited on the radio. And it's it's riddled with... Uh, euphemism but nothing vulgar or explicit like that's extremely obvious and you know it's a fantastic song and I do remember that playing everywhere I went in middle school and it just makes me laugh that that is the entire premise of a song like baby one more grind and I get so excited Ooh, I can't what is that 
how I like I try, but I can't find it. Dancing real close because it's real slow. You're making it hard for me. Double entendre. Touche next. Um, anyway, so I was thinking about that song this morning because I was blessed, blessed with a blast from the past, which was a post that somebody tagged me in from Betches, who was an early champion of Be There in Five Reminder Mats, might I add. Love them. Uh, that was, it sent me into a tailspin, a true, a true tailspin and not the early nineties cartoon with Baloo from the Jungle Book tailspin, but a better kind, an internet tailspin. Of suburban shopping mall culture, because this post is about how you knew someone was truly special back in the day. You know, like now we have influencers, but back in the 90s or whatever, you knew somebody was truly special when they, the employees at Abercrombie told them they were hot enough to work there. And like, this was such an urban legend, like somebody becoming an Abercrombie model or being asked to work at Abercrombie. And like, Abercrombie was at its peak when I was a little bit too young for the workforce. But I still remember hearing about this. And like, we all know that Abercrombie is the originator of the unattainable black and white sepia toned, impossibly beachy low rise mega hottie. And, you know, I can't say I was ever asked to work at an Abercrombie. I really do feel like my brand of hot was more like was better equipped for like a wet seal stock room. Um, and not on the front lines of, of America's most aggressively fragrant store and, you know, true hub of awkward socioeconomic dynamics among middle school friend groups. I, I long for a mall hang. I love a mall hang. Like everything about mall culture, I miss so dearly. And if you grew up in the city or in a more rural area, I'd be, inter- I'd be interested to know if you had like a proxy for this because as far as I'm concerned, from like late elementary school to early high school, there's a series of events that's just, that are just so meaningful to me. And that is pulling up to a suburban mall, parking near a department store that you inexplicably have to walk through to get to the main area. So frustrating. Where there's, you know, this gorgeous tile that could crack a head open, which you've been in fear about since you saw Clueless and Ty so rudely was dangled off of the uh, banister by Elton. You you smell the odor of fresh pennies in the mall fountain. Enough pennies, like so many pennies that like one hand swipe, I could probably do some damage at the Sam Goody. And there's that god-awful indoor landscaping with like a few rogue potted plants and trees that are trying to make it like an indoor-outdoor mall, but like you're not fooling anyone. We all know we're inside in an atrium because of the uh, audibly crippling echoes of everything ever going on in this mall, be it a bad piano recital, the children screaming and crying outside the gymboree, the, the piercing screams, pun intended, of the piercing pagoda, where God forbid somebody going to get their first set of studs gets the dreaded urban legend of the ear infection a la Stephanie Tanner in Full House, which I would liken to the threat of quicksand and that it's something that you talk a lot about in childhood that, like, never actually happens. My thoughts and prayers to anybody who did get an ear infection, but, like, if you're a normal person with a mom who would attack you every night with a Q-tip, you clean you, you, you clean the earrings, which I never do now, by the way. Am I supposed to be doing that? Anyway, um, what else would happen at the mall? I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just... I... 
I just love doing my usual rounds. I'd hit up the Claire's, the, the Spencer Gifts and or the Hot Topic, the American Eagle, the Abercrombie, the Warner Brothers. Gotta get that Bugs Bunny polo. A natural Wonders or Discovery Store to get my singular polished rock in a velvet bag. Maybe one of those weird squishy, you know, phallic ocean things I've talked about or beads that hang from my door. Maybe a little wet seal or deb or rave if I was like feeling wild and, you know, wanted to hide something from my parents. If all else failed and I was lost, I'd just park in the Walden books and chill in the calendar section till hopefully somebody found me because it was near our parking spot and who was not up for some wholesome calendar perusing now and again. I, you know, there were times when you could do anything you wanted. Like if, if you really wanted, you could go get your name written on a tiny grain of rice. And it put in this, like, jar bauble thing that would hang on your neck for eternity. And by eternity, I mean the next, I don't know, two, three weeks until you are sick of it because it's not new anymore and you realize you're really more of an airbrush t-shirt gal. Um, I really just, I love so many things about it. And this is different from, like, going to the mall with your parents when you were younger. And at least for me, the distinguishing factor is, like, you know, you'd hit up the KB toys, you'd go to the limited two. you'd like drag your feet through a snooze fest, like an adult home decor store that was like heavy on African inspired, you know, kind of tchotchkes, like a Kirkland's uh, or maybe like a Bombay. Is that a real store? It just popped in my head. I need to look that up. Um, but anyway, you'd, you'd like ultimately end up in a sensible department store like Hex or Dillard's or Sears, where you do the bulk of your back to school shopping because like like you you know your parents don't really understand why you need a 40 dollar rugby shirt you're going to grow out of in october and you can't possibly understand the price point of the slacks i just think there's so many interesting dynamics about a middle school friend group and a mall hang there's kind of the socioeconomic factor of realizing like how much money people have to begin with and or how much money their parents will give give them and like how a lot of people really shop till they dropped like their entire life. And I am so grateful I didn't because that's why I remember all this stuff. Because while everybody else was rich with the two armfuls of shopping bags, I was rich with experience and just took in every single moment and loved it so much. So we have we have socioeconomics. Then we have anatomy. Considering you know, until you were sharing a dressing room close, you didn't really realize when somebody like had boobs or how things fit them. And then people all of a sudden were like, oh, I look fat. And then you start to learn at a very young age, the art form that is the solicited compliment, you know, and you realize like, I don't know, I just remember some people were so comfortable changing in front of other people. And like, I never was until a much older age. And like, that is a thing because if somebody just drops trow in front of you, like to this day, if somebody just like takes their top off and changes because they're like a naked person, I'm like, hello, or to quote, next too close, you're dancing like you're naked. I don't love when people say naked. So we have socioeconomics, we have anatomy, we have rampant consumerism because you could not leave the mall having not bought something. I mean, nothing was more like horrible at the time than a mall day that you came home absolutely bagless, itemless. And I think that back then I was like pretty proud of myself because I was pretty sure I found the perfect, safe, trendy, but under $5 practical item that I without fail could find at the mall. And that perfect item is a Bath and Body Works mini hand sanitizer. It's timeless. It's fragrant. It's affordable. It illegally has those weird beads in it that scrub your hands now. But regardless, 
If you, if you could get in that bin and find yourself a cucumber melon, a moonlit path, a sweet pea, a warm vanilla sugar, you were made. I mean, like, I'd, I'd even consider a country apple if times were tough, but, like, I freaking loved going through those barrels at that, that Bath and Body Works. Like, the stores at the time looked like kind of down-home country. They were kind of like a cracker barrel um, with that, like, I don't know. It, it was, it had, like, a picnic table gingham red awning. Remember that? And I, it kind of reminded me of a Cracker Braille, but like without the rocking chairs and a lot more teenage theft. I really did feel like they were always side-eyeing me when I was looking through the barrels, rummaging through the barrels of hand sanitizers, looking for the, you know, highly coveted cucumber melon or sweet pea. I just always remember th- th- that vibe of them thinking everybody was shoplifting and it just really bothered me because I was like, no, no, Stephanie, I, I, I'm not stealing. I'm doing you a favor because everybody is tired of how tired the branding of Sun and Raspberry is and I'm the only one willing to buy the sanitizer. Jesus. Like bath and body jerks, <laughs> if you ask me. That was, I hate when people laugh at their own jokes, but, you know, what are you going to do? That was a, some, simple, some simple rhyme work that I'm not proud of, but I'm also not going to edit out. Anyway, let's <laughs> I say? Um, Abercrombie, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the politics of a mall hang. Oh, I don't know, guys. I just, like, it's like, I love, I loved the mall back then. I don't even want to return to it now. My mall of choice, if you are from the, you know, Metro Richmond area, it was Regency Square. You know, Short Pump was built late in high school, and that's when we we thought we were, like, low Bobsworth and LC and the gang and would just put on giant-ass sunglasses from Steinmart and, like, sit outside at the CPK and pretend like, you know, we were royals. But before then, if, if you wanted to see NBC, you need to be at the Regency Food Court. I, I love, a, I freaking love a food court. I'll still go to a food court. Like, the food dynamics alone of a large group of, of young women it could be a full courtroom drama, actually, called the food court. With Auntie Anne as our judge, Judy, actually. I, I really, my particular poison was Arby's. We, as I mentioned in the episode after the party, it's the local Arby's. I um, we used to go there after cotillion and like after dances and like when boys wouldn't dance with me or things didn't go my way or whatever. I was always very comforted by like a concrete and a beef and cheddar. Um, but when we'd go with groups, it was very interesting. Like who could afford Dippin' Dots? Those things are like eight dollars. They don't last very long. Everybody wants a bite. I'm partial to the banana flavor, but everybody always wants rainbow or chocolate. Who who is the friend that aggressively got a full orange chicken platter at 11:30 a.m. on a Saturday from the Panda Express? Like the worst offender of of the food court. My food court. My court drama is the friend that wants to borrow, and you're like, "Are you okay, girl?" Like. You do realize there's an Arby's, a Panda Express, an Auntie Anne's. Please go get a rainbow cone at the Baskin Robbins. Like, you're better than that. You're better than a pizza whose container can't even withstand its own grease. And I, I don't know, guys. Like, to this day, I think Auntie Anne's deserves a freaking Michelin star. Like, that buttered... Oh, my God. A, pi- a pretzel with butter and salt? Like, I don't know what heaven is, but I'm hopeful. It's like, hi, God. Hi, Jesus. Nice to meet you. Here's the Auntie Anne sample guy with the tray with the free, like, buttered pretzel samples and, like, a little bit of cheese dipping sauce. And I'd be like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I'm in the right place. Thank you, Jesus. I love a soft pretzel. Anyway, that was a little bit much for that. Back to Abercrombie. Um, 
I uh, I had the funniest DMs today about people that worked at Abercrombie. A lot of people talking about this Subway sandwich levels of pumping the smell of Abercrombie Fierce, the official fragrance of like a mega hottie with an eight, eight pack. I've never met. I mean, like, is is that how many abs you have? Like when people say six pack, is that a perfect ab set or should it be eight? I'm not clear if that's like an exact, like a hyperbolic thing or real. Clearly, I don't know a lot about muscles. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know, guys. It's just the, the olfactory connection to that cologne, the wafting through the air, like a siren luring the sailors at sea. I, I, I just, I wanted to shop at Abercrombie so bad. I wanted everything there. I wanted to be a cool kid. I wanted a tiny denim skirt, a t- even tinier sleeve shorts with like little critters on it with like pink, like seersucker stripes and red drawstrings. Remember those very specifically. I wanted a, a jean jacket that was sheerly lined. I-, I wanted rugby shirts on rugby shirts. I wanted paper thin Henleys that were meant to be layered because nothing says winter like paper thin layers. I, I just like, you know, snakes on a plane and He's like, enough is enough. I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. I was like, this is not enough. I need more motherfucking moose on these motherfucking shirts. I need the biggest moose. I want the biggest moose you can find. And I want it on the front of my shirt. And I want it to say Abercrombie and Fitch. And I want it to say established in 1892. And I want to be like rolling up to school in an age inappropriate t-shirt with a weird saying on it that is kind of suggestive like mine was with the, I think I, I'm pretty sure I only had one shirt from Abercrombie. I'm like vaguely remembering another that had something to do with a surf shop, but I can't, I don't know if that was from Hollister American Eagle. All I know is I got them off the sale racks with my babysitting money. And the sale racks were pretty much only paper thin Henleys without a lick of a logo. Like if it was on the sale rack, it's because nobody knew it was from Abercrombie. And if it wasn't known to be from Abercrombie, it was literal garbage in my book. So I found one thing that was very Abercrombie. Like it was a shirt that said Midnight Cowgirl. It did have like small little like rhinestones on it. And it was a little bit snug in all the right places. And I wore that shirt into the ground. Looking back, basically means hooker or like maybe, I don't know, is like a position reference or something. But regardless, not great for 12, which, you know, spurred me to ask the crowd, ask the audience. of your example of the Midnight Cowgirl t-shirt that you're like, huh, that doesn't seem right. And because I had been getting funny messages all day, but I just now like 10 minutes ago asked people to tell me theirs because earlier in the day, people were like, oh, I had one that said bait shop. And it said for tourists, we take half off. For locals, we take it all off. (laughs) Like what? And one girl said, I got an, mine said, I got an A plus in French class. The other one said, I had one that said back by popular demand. I look back now and I'm like, back from where? And popular demand from who? I was 12. <laughs> one said, I may not be perfect, but parts of me are pretty awesome. One said, it's all relative in West Virginia. Little offensive. Incest jokes are not very 2019. Don't kill the messenger. Um, and let me look on Instagram to see what other people said, because I don't know why, but these make me laugh uh, so hard. <laughs> I don't even know if these are that funny. They're just like random. This girl said, Mine said Mario's Pizza. Always hot, always ready. Parentheses WTF. Like, yeah, who was Mario's Pizza? It always had like these made up businesses and surf shops. Um, 
brunettes do it better. I do remember that one. Uh, the the Red Poppy Lodge. It's nature at your fingertips. What? That's incredibly random. Is that like a drug reference? Um, sorority girls do it with their sisters. Oh my god! <laughs> what? That's awful. Oh, she said from you. Oh, from Urban Outfitters. Okay, that Urban Outfitters is a little bit more edgy. Um. <laughs> Mine wasn't from Abercrombie, but my grandma bought me a shirt at 12 that said Hustler 69. (laughs) Foxy with a fox on it. Yeah, classic. Uh, Blondes do it better. Well, which one is it? Because I just heard that brunettes did it better. A men's shirt that says screw, nut, and bolt. Is Is that gross or literal? Is that like a mechanical thing? I'm not sure. I guess at this point we can assume everything's innuendo. Um... The back said it's a hidden tiki spot where the island girls are hot, hot, hot. I remember that. It had like a hula girl on it. I wonder what the front said. That's so funny. And I also remember this. One. <laughs> Lady Delilah's school of snake charming. Colon. You'll get a quick rise. Yikes. They, they knew. Oh, my God. You guys. I mean, whatever. Some of these are so random. I had one that said, love means nothing. I was 10. <laughs> I had one that literally said, I had a bowl of bitchy for breakfast. <laughs> Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Classic. Quote, big and rich much. I guess this might have actually predated a big and rich. Uh, what a better world we were in before Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. JK. I do like the, what's it called? Bridge. Uh, whatever happens when the dude's like, well, I'm a thoroughbred. That's what she said in the back of my truck bed as we were getting buzzed on suds out on, uh, out on some old country road. We were flying high, fine as wine, having ourselves a big and rich time. And I was going just about as far as she'd let me go. Whoa! Holy, <laughs> holy coercion! Like, why is everything ruined? Big. Or whoever it is, rich. Come on. Why does it always have to be so far? Can't people just have some, like, wholesome fun? Jeez. Disappointed. I knew. Um, okay, I'll stop doing this. I'm sorry. You're just making me laugh so hard. Uh, time. I had a white shirt that said, tie me up, don't tie me down. I do me. And I'm smart, too. <laughs> Fast girls finish first. God. Buck Wild with a cowgirl. I do remember that and had a lasso. More boyfriends than TS. Yes, that was like, way, that was when I was older. But they had to take it off shelves because Swifties got so mad. Like, you know, I feel like I was on the outs with the Swifties for a long time, given, you know, I speculate about Joe and I am not always sure of her, you know, PR, paparazzi decisions, some of her past romances uh, feel a little bit staged, all that stuff that I'm not going to dig up now. Why? Because with the Taylor Swift podcast defending her and the rights to her masters and her right to be disappointed, upset with, and to publicly scrutinize Scott and Scoots, in doing that, I feel like I got back into the circle of trust with the Swifty, and I feel protected. I feel like they talk to me on my DMs. I feel like they're comforting. I feel like they care about me, and I feel like they will do what they can to make sure that so long as I am in their corner, no one will cross them. And I appreciate this. And it's this this level of 
ferocity and intrepid loyalty to one Taylor Swift is well evidenced by the fact that in like 2011, we we hadn't even gotten red yet. And they were already pulling things off shelves that weren't to their liking, that weren't a proper character representation of their best gal. Good for them. Um, Let's see. Save water, shower together. <gasps> I, I, yes, I remember that. That was a principal's office shirt. Uh, oh my god. Okay, this is these are bad, but I do remember this. There was this like weird period where Abercrombie and Fitch were like a smidge, not a smidge, a lot racist toward and like appropriated a bunch of Asian stuff, and they had shirts. And this one girl said, "I had the racist Wong brothers laundry shirt." It said. Two Wongs can't make it white. Guys, 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 guys. Oh, that was a dark time. Now I'm feeling mad at Abercrombie. Slash, have they been riddled with controversy recently and I shouldn't even be, like, laughing or enjoying these memories? Because, God, that's bad. I do remember that phase, though, and those were all on the sale racks, and I did pass those over because I even knew better. Um... Some of these are just like they're not. It's like picturing them on like a like a gangly like eleven year old with braces is what's funny to me. For example, sixth grade boys are like parking spaces. All the good ones are taken. <laughs> what? I just I don't know. I love the idea of coming home from a mall hang with a suggestive T shirt. Um, <laughs> Someone else said, I had a yellow American Eagle t-shirt with an ear of corn on it that said, shuck me. God. (laughs) I got told to change and my mom was offended and told them it's just a cute ear of corn. You know what, mom? I support you. That's hysterical. Um, North Carolina. It's great to be on top. I'm from Massachusetts and was 12. (laughs) I love that you clarified you're from Massachusetts. North Carolina, it's great to be on top. I'm Samantha. Like, truly, did Samantha Jones, public relations, write, like, do, do all the writing for these shirts? Abu Dhabi, do. Okay, I'll stop. They're, like, rolling in in real time, and I just, like, I could these are so, I, I just, I love 90s stuff. Half of you are sending me pictures of your t-shirt, and, like, I still don't know what the innuendo is. And I'm too embarrassed to ask you, because then I don't want you to have to type something, like, very explicit back to me. <laughs> you can just do it in emojis, like, Eggplant, eggplant, Georgia O'Keeffe flower. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, I also was like shuddering with a memory upon re- recounting my um, Midnight Cowgirl t-shirt because there was this other phenomenon back in the day and that was coming back from summer break and all of a sudden you got hot. Like people would get hot over the summer. And this happened with a lot of boys. You know, they'd outgrow their baseball buzz cuts. They'd grow they get off braces like i think guys really saw major single summer changes and girls did sometimes too but beyond the getting hot after summer the the quicker fix for me was to get hot after spring break because so many of these people buying the gift sets at bath and body works and whatnot were going on like cruises they'd come back with their hair and gorgeous if not weirdly appropriating cornrows with beads at the end they'd come back with you know wraps these thread wraps on one singular piece of hair that i did figure out how to do myself by simply taking friendship bracelet thread and making a four your hair being the pillar and you make a four shape and you pull it through and you essentially tie a knot over and over and over again 
they they would have these tans and these these you know one piece speedo tan lines or these like high halter boy short tan lines and i just like a i don't tan and b i wasn't really going to beaches during spring break like we did that in the summer i think a lot of families did we i just like chilled during spring break and like looked forward to my easter basket and one spring break a friend asked me to go on a trip with her family. And I thought, oh, my God, this is my ticket. I am going to take all of my babysitting money. I am going to go hit up the boardwalk. I'm going to buy all the puka shells. I'm going to buy a miniature license plate with my name on it. I'm going to buy a sign that says street parking for Katie only. I, I'm going to get a beaded bracelet that says courage on it. I, I don't even know what that means, but it's, it's going to give me courage to tell my mom that the cash she gave me to give to my friend's parents to pay for my dinners, I actually blew at like the wings. If you're from the East Coast, you know what a wings is. Um, but anyway, beyond that, you know, coming back with all my new threads and jewels, by jewels I mean shells, I thought I would get a tan. And like I've lamented many a time on this podcast how I really did not understand the the perils of tanning beds, sun exposure, etc. till far too late. I haven't been out in the sun since I was probably 23. But, you know... First, it was high school and like I'm coming in prom dances and I went to the tanning bed and I told them I was older than I was and like illegally went in it. But I still like they still somehow like had access to my credit. But I don't know how because I didn't know my social security number at the time. And like it was like a whole thing. Like my credit was like destroyed when I was like 15 because of this tanning salon. Um, I didn't know like what I didn't know I had signed up for a monthly package. Like how did I even pay for that? I, I don't know how the whole thing went down. Um but anyway, besides that, in middle school, before tanning beds, obviously, I would just like try to sit outside and put on tanning oil because I wanted to come back and I wanted to be super tan, super hot and have everybody been like, where have you been? Tell me about your break. Do you want to go on a date? Do you want to kiss in a closet? And basically, I'd sit outside with oil. I'd burn to a crisp, to a crisp, like to the point where I could only I sat out the first day. So then days two through five, I could not go outside. And uh, would eventually turn into a tan that, you know, if positioning my crew neck right, you might be able to see that I had somewhat of a tan line. This is before I wore makeup, all that stuff. I just really wanted to look like I had been somewhere. So I decided that in order for boys to notice me, for my friends to be like, you're so exotic. Where'd you go? Tell us about it. Did you meet hot boys? Any of those Abercrombie models with the eight packs at the beach? I decided that I would go get my mom's blush. And because I was fair and because people probably knew I couldn't tan that dark because I had been to the pool many a summer with my gal pals, I decided that before school, the first day back from spring break, I would just cover my face, <laughs> entire face with blush. And when I say I, <laughs> I like tip to tail, like forehead to chin, ear to ear, just did a you know, several, several concentric circles until I was bright as a tomato, until I was debatably feverish and I could march into school and have everybody be like, damn girl, hot sunburn. Much to my, and I'm sure your, <laughs> surprise. Everybody didn't ask me about my vacation, about how gorgeous I looked. Everybody asked me what was wrong. I got sent to the nurse's office. I was compared to a tomato, an apple, I was asked if I was embarrassed several times. And at one point, people were asking me, you know, they were coming up to me, super flustered, super concerned. And I didn't really understand the reaction. And then I realized it was because they thought because of my complexion, I had just run the mile 
And then they thought they didn't realize the presidential fitness examination where you had to run the dreaded one singular mile was that day. And to be fair, that is what I looked like after I typically ran outside because my skin is iridescent. So then not only were they insulting my red face, they were also insulting my athletic ability. And from there on out, I went to the bathroom and I debated whether or not I wash it off and have it all just end it. Uh, not my life, you know, the the blush on my face. And um, realized, huh, I, this is why you don't lie. I am caught between a rock and a hard place. I am caught between a puka shell and a, a courage power bracelet. Because I have to keep this pink face on the rest of the day. Because my sunburn's not going to fade after fourth period. And then... I'm going to have to come back tomorrow with a little less blush on, but still some blush on, and so on and so forth. Until allegedly it starts to peel, but let's hope we get to Friday so I can pretend I peeled over the weekend. All that to say, I learned at a very young age, I am not well-equipped for a long con. But my hopes and dreams of looking hot after a break or a summer or whatever still stood, and I think I did it one summer because I found sun in. And my hair is the type of mousy that actually does bleach. It can go one of two ways. One is very dire, very orange, very tough stuff, very hard to reverse, very did you did you run your hair through a light wash of tang? And one is like brightens up your face. Like I, I just, I feel like as bad as it sounds, once I figured out my hair, I, everything else fell into place. What? <laughs> it sounds so shallow. I'm talking from the mind of a person who was like 13, I didn't I wasn't really concerned with like world issues at the time, except for, you know, Ruthie's alcoholism on the real world and anything I heard on Nick News with Linda Ellerby. Honestly, at that age, all I thought about was how I wanted to be hot. I hoped I could save up for that shirt at Kohl's that had like was a blue sky with clouds on it and like how I hated math. And I got contacts during this age. And that was when I learned the trick of if a teacher's not going to let you go to the bathroom you pop your contact out and then they can't say anything. So if I was feeling uncomfortable or sad or bored, was about to cry, you know, all, all those things, I just, yeah, would simply pop out a contact, hop to the bathroom, and then really painfully put in a very dry contact back in my eye and take my sweet time because I, I loved cruising those empty halls when nobody else was there. It was, it was really quite thrilling. I used to, like, do you guys remember? <laughs> I, in between... I don't know, was there seven periods that when you liked a boy, you would figure out their class schedule and then you would find yourself on their path from class to class so you could bump into them only when I had on a cute outfit. And then if the day finished and nobody saw me that I liked in my cute outfit, I was so mad. If you get past like, you know, third, fourth period and you still haven't run into them, your best bet's going to be the lunchroom. Hopefully you have the same lunch. If not, you make an excuse. You, you need to make change. You, you know, have a rogue lunch tray you left in your locker. I don't know. You, you find yourself in front of that person and you strut on by. I don't care what anyone says. Public school hallways were runways. And the people at their lockers turned around where you're a front row, you're Anna Wintour and co. That you're trying to impress with your latest string of looks and accessorizing. And on the right day with the right outfit, the right compliment from the right popular person, you are just soaring, flying. There's not a star in heaven that you can't reach. I remember one time, one time, I remember her like first, middle and last name. I, 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 I've looked her up recently. Like, this is so lame. One time in gym class, I overheard 
this girl, tell another girl. And I wasn't friends with this girl. She was a lot more popular than me. She had a boyfriend. She was like, she was so cool. She lived in like this really nice house. And I don't know, she ended up moving after eighth grade. But um, I overheard her tell another girl that she thought I was pretty. I literally, I just got butterflies thinking about it. That meant so much to me. And if you're not called pretty, like at that age, you know, I, I did have my d- expander, my double expander. I don't know if I still have the gap between my two teeth that you could put a pencil eraser through, but I was very gangly and I was as tall as I am now. And I was just so self-conscious and uncomfortable. I always had great friends and I was like confident in my skin, but like, I don't know. That's what's funny now is because, and what's important is she teaching young girls. There's so, I'm the biggest arbiter of like, there is more to life than being hot like this thirst trap instagram bend over foot up claw and mouth like bs that i see everywhere that's teaching young people just to like stare at the camera and mouth lyrics and like pout your weird overlined lips when you like still have baby teeth like it's terrifying to me and there's so much more life than being hot and it's important that to teach young women like it's way more flattering and amazing to be called smart, to be complimented on your personality, to be funny, to be a great conversationalist, to be polite, all these other qualities that are more important. Like, obviously we know that I preach that a ton. I want to teach that to young people, but I think back on me as a kid and I'm pretty emotional and intense. And like, I actually don't think I'm that shallow of a person. I do think my interests at this age were quite shallow, but I'm like, really? That's all I, all I wanted was like boys to pay attention to me. And I think it's so interesting to me because I don't know why I cared so much. And literally, it wasn't my parents. It wasn't the shows I was watching. It was my friend group. Like, they were all boy crazy. They all had boyfriends. I did not have one. I couldn't find people to dance with me. It made me sad. I did not feel pretty. It made me feel blue at times. I always knew I was smart. I always knew I was a killer at rhyming. I always knew I was bad at math, but I had other strengths. And I won poetry contests. And I had reasons to think I was cool for the things that I liked that maybe weren't conventionally cool at that age. But I really did care about how I looked and I really did care about having a boyfriend. And I don't know why. And I want to, I've always wanted to figure out what, you know, what elements of messaging are so grounded in friend groups, what comes from parents, what comes from TV media culture. Um, Because honestly, I think I was so lucky. I had such good friends throughout like the same friends throughout my childhood and high school they were awesome people that were so smart, so involved, all so successful now and wild and fun, but grounded. You know, we weren't like the doing drugs crowd or like the popular, like fast and loose crowd. We were like the people that ran for like student council and who participated in school events and weren't too cool to play organized sports. And, you know, like the involved kids. And I really did have such a positive experience through so much of middle and high school. And I... I don't know. I just look back on it and I think it's just so unlike me now, how boy crazy and image conscious I was then. And I just I don't know what that is. I think it's probably more so a function of the friends you surround. A lot of my friends were so beautiful and at a young age and got male attention. And then you respond to male attention and then it kind of creates this world that's very centered around boys because it's like fun to get attention and talk to boys on instant messenger And it probably just like evolved from there. And I think over time, the less you have something, you get like obsessed with it. Long story short, this is like a really long way of saying, I don't know why I so vividly remember this girl calling me pretty. I don't know why it like was life changingly important to me. I don't know why I still remember it. And I feel weird that I just got a butterfly 
thinking about it now because I think of little me and I'm like, oh, she's so flattered and so excited and literally thought she ran over like a Mario Kart star in compliment form. It just made me take off riding high. All I all I heard was this this. How do you even describe that noise? That the the running over a star in Mario Kart. So if this were like a verbal, audible meme, it would be like, "Girl, I think Katie Kennedy is so pretty." Me. Though it's it's tough to say. I don't remember if that compliment was pre or post my uh, metaphorical banana peel which was that of Blushgate 98. Anyway, <laughs> I've gotten some more hilarious responses from um, about these Abercrombie shirts. I just need to read a few. I don't, it's, I think some of these are American Eagle or Hollister. I asked for Abercrombie shirts, but regardless, I think they all kind of did the same thing. Like one says, I, I mow your mom's lawn. Buffy's tanning salon, do it in the nude. I go topless, and it was a picture of a convertible. I couldn't even drive. <laughs> My grandpa bought me a hoodie with the Playboy bunny on it at 14. <laughs> Thought it was a cute bunny. Um, oh, my God. Flirt like crazy. Wake up, Sandy. I definitely remember that. This girl said I loved Let's Get Buck Wild so much that my screen name was Buck Wild 87. <laughs> That is awesome. Oh, yeah, this one. I gave my word to stop at third. It's a baseball shirt and it's an abstinence campaign. I can't with that. That is, I don't think that's an Abercrombie shirt, but correct me if I'm wrong. If so, it's crazy to me that 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 would be promoting good Christian values because I'm pretty sure you're not leaving enough room for the Holy Spirit if you're happy petting. Um, There's so many like funny sexist ones. Like, I love my daddy's credit card. I spend more money than you'll ever have. Or like, I don't know, it's all like shop to you drop. I love shoes. Um, <laughs> my grandma gifted to me at 13 a shirt that said freshman 15 with 15 assorted guys names underneath them. I'm obsessed with the ones that grandma bought, like Hustler 69. Hottie's Bakery. There was something on there about our buns. Yes, I remember that too. And that is accurate. <laughs> There's so many that's like Santa. I've been naughty. Santa's hot cookie. I I very am very against the Santa baby of it all. I'm very against the like Santa spank me culture. I just I don't get it. Very creepy, especially because at this age, you're probably still like taking photos on his lap. Oh, my God. This shirt would look better on your floor. Fast girls finish first. The whole cross country team got them. OK, that was an So it, I think that was an Abercrombie shirt. Or was that one you guys had custom made? I would argue that that doesn't actually make sense because you weren't sprinters. Just saying, just saying. I cross country, like, why did people and I, like, I never understood the cross country team. It's like, hey, mom, I want to sign up for a sport. Let's pick the one that's torture. <laughs> Steady hall monitor, making sure everyone's getting busy. I'm not a tease. I'm just a reminder of what you can't have. I was in sixth grade. I like thinking about being a teacher. Truly, why were these made in child sizes? I know I'm being redundant, but like these are so wild to me. And some of them I'm like, I can picture I can picture people wearing these shirts. Oh, yeah. Hollister and Team Kristen and Team LC. But this girl's not appropriate, not inappropriate. But I had to buy a Team Kristen at Hollister because Team LC was sold out. 
If the team anybody is in stock, you know you're on the wrong side of history. Nobody went to Kitson and bought a Team Jolie shirt, other than Danny Pellegrino's boyfriend, apparently. It's kind of like, you, just, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You want to be Team Aniston, you want to be Team Elsie. Even though, actually, in today's world, I do like Kristen better. I think she's got more edge, personality, humor, and more to offer the world. Elsie's a little vanilla for me, if I'm being honest. My boyfriend had one that said Buck Fuddy. No. I they wear that to school? Yikes, a lot of buck wilds, sun your buns, flirt like crazy, wake up Sandy. And a lot of connecting dots here. So I saw flirt like crazy, wake up Sandy, but didn't know sun your buns was first. Oh, we got grandma, another grandma. <laughs> My little brother was 14. Our grandma bought him a Hollister with a beaver shaving on it. <laughs> there was a lot of them that were states besides the poor in poor taste, West Virginia Joe, like getting lucky in Kentucky. One was not everything in Iowa is flat, like yowzas, but the girl did confirm I was 14 and had zero boobs. <laughs> so clearly it was. <laughs> Something about saving tractors and riding cowboys, like, ugh, gross. Um, a lot of FCUK shorts, French Connection, which very cheeky on their part. My friend ran for student council with the slogan, come on, ride the Trang, her name. <laughs> what? <laughs> that actually... I'm laughing because there's actually like a great side topic for another day is for people to submit their school running for a school council taglines, because I feel like some of them are very inappropriate and funny. And I remember people's like there was a guy named Jay Serpy and his was vote for Jay Serpy. He's cool as a Slurpee. Like that's genius. And I think mine was like KK all the way for the treasurer of the SCA. But I didn't win. I my speech was got off. It was the first time I public spoke. And I made a joke about uh, survival manual. It was tough times, tough times. I was very into Survivor at the time. You know, that tracks reality TV. One of the first and best. Something about writing long boards. Yes, I remember that. I think that was American Eagle. It was a yellow shirt. I like very much remember that. It was a flamingo with drive through service between her legs at 13. Oh, my God. What a slut. Not you, the flamingo. Um... A lot of flirt like crazy, wake up Sandy. Shuck me, love shunk me. Go to Hawaii and get laid. I mean, Abercrombie and every, you know, hashtag and Facebook and Instagram caption joke since the history of social media of anybody that ever goes to Hawaii, ever. It said pimp this ride and it was an outline of a man in a Speedo. Are you sure that's Abercrombie? That seems a little off brand. <laughs> also... Did your parents like you out of the house wearing the outline of a man in a speedo with the word pimp on it? That one to me just isn't, it doesn't even, it's not even wordplay. It's just alarming. It's just, I mean, that, that is, was probably from Spencer Gifts. Club sandwiches, not seals. I stand by this message. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we shouldn't club seals. What the hell? Another one for bait shop. Locals take it all off. Your pet or mine. It was frogs and lily pads. Dear Santa, I'm on the naughty list. Ugh. Um, who needs brains when you have these? And it was on your boobs. Perfect, perfect, tasteful. I had one that said smart and classy, but the letters smart and A-S-S and classy were capitalized. It's like so stupid. So red is smart ass. I mean, the good news is that is classy. You didn't curse explicitly. And it was smart assy. And I support it fully. Okay, so I'll stop. But they're coming in in real time, and I'm just dying now. A sushi restaurant with eat it raw is the slogan. Gross. A lot of beaver shaving. 
<laughs> National Boy Watching Club? Ah, uh, yes, the old, the old MBWC. Like, what, what? That's not even, like, clever. At least FBI is female and body investigator. <laughs> There's all these ones that are like, your boyfriend is staring. And it, it was so, like, sign of the times. It was so, like, blame the girl, not the guy. It, it was a... The currency was how jealous a few people were. And I blame the I blame the girl band dream. He loves you not. Because the messaging of being like, girl, you can pick a field full of daisies, but he'd still be my baby. It's like, whoa, back off, young starlets of making the band. Who do you think you are, Danity Kane? No, the, the, wait, dream wasn't dream wasn't from making the band. They were just generally short-lived. But they had great metallic low-rise pants with you know, uh, uh, metallic chain belts and tube tops and like a spiky hair with chopsticks in them. I also was dying laughing at some people's stories that were like, uh, about how they got offered jobs at like the Abercrombie outlet. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know if you guys have been to a J Crew factory, but you know, you want to be at the, the the real the real deal, the real brick and mortar. You want to be the Galleria and not the premium outlets. You don't want to be parked up next to the residual inventory at a Liz Claiborne, you know? Oh, I forgot a funny one someone sent to me via DM. She said, OMG, our AP Lit class <laughs> made matching t-shirts senior year to wear to the AP exam. Okay, nerd alert <laughs> to wear t-shirts. Matching t-shirts to your AP exam is a level of awesomely nerdy that I just respect so much. And they said, it's all about the climax. It was a nod to the pyramid of storytelling. Exposition, climax, denouement, etc. <laughs> well, good news for you, Alexis. I am very familiar with uh, Freitag's pyramid. Huge fan of all literary devices and literary device puns. And honestly, this is amazing. And I just, it's like, even if it's pervy and weird as a parent, if you, if your kid is making, if it's like rallying the troops to make matching t-shirts to take an AP exam, I think you're going to be okay. You got bigger fish to fry. I'm not going to come after you for climax. Sorry, I just got another one that said, my high school boyfriend met my parents for the first time and he wore a shirt that said, meet to please you. <laughs> Stuff pleased to meet you yeah like i'm sure he didn't mean any harm but that is not great you know did he conk too if somebody honked my dad like would drop kicked him out the door i forgot my favorite one um this girl said i was so mad that my mom wouldn't buy me sweats <laughs> i was so mad that my mom wouldn't buy me sweats <laughs> that said camp spread eagle <laughs> That is so disgusting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moms are no fun. Jeez, mom, live a little, get a life. I just like thinking about myself as a mom and my like 11 year old coming home from the mall with sweatpants that say camp spread eagle and like trying to explain why it's like not great, not appropriate, why they were on the sale rack. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. Somebody else sent me this article from their town. Sounds like a footloose town, but it's actually Hartford, Connecticut. And it was hilarious. It's this article that's called, it's from January 13th, 2007. So I was out of high school at this point. But it says, students push past limits in, quote, freaking. And it's about freak dancing. And 
Principal Neil Sullivan said the school has been trying to rid its dances of a style that has come to be called grinding, freaking, or booty dancing, <laughs> which aghast educators and parent chaperones have described as simulated sex with clothes on. Here's my question as an, a, an, a grown adult now. Does Principal Neil Sullivan or parents and chaperones, have they ever heard of dry humping? <laughs> like, pretty standard practice that I'd argue is far safer than actual penetration. High schools and even middle schools around Connecticut and the country have struggled with how to curb the dance craze, some coming face-to-face -face with it a decade ago. Exasperated school officials have tried everything, from printing to... <laughs> It's just so stupid. Exasperated school officials have tried everything from printing no freaking on prom tickets to canceling dances. I mean, that's a keepsake. Admit one, no freaking. I think I'm, I just also like we didn't call it freaking. We called it grinding. And the, that term is so funny to me. Plan B, their heavy handed rule bound approach dropped on Wednesday when the school sent letters to parents informing them that back to front dancing was henceforth banned, beginning with the dance scheduled for Friday night. It worked, but perhaps too well. It didn't take the students long to show their disdain for the new rule. Only three tickets were sold. some fun they just want to grind their privates into each other and it's so sad but it's so funny <laughs> it worked but perhaps too well i really wish this was a keith morrison narration um in letters to the parents principal neil sullivan said he didn't want to use words such as intimate to describe the dance style for fear they would not grasp the gravity of his concern. After writing, please forgive us for going into detail, Sullivan and three other administrators proceeded to give parents a blow-by-blow. -blow. <laughs> oh, okay. Come on, okay. Who wrote this article? Uh, uh, Mark Spencer, the current staff writer. You knew what you were doing with that blow-by-blow. -blow. You're no better than Abercrombie. Or Fitch, for that matter. Unbelievable. Um, Sullivan and three other administrators proceeded to give parents a blow-by-blow -blow of what their kids were up to. In the kind of dancing that we are seeing, the male student stands directly behind the female student. He then places his hands on either side of his partner's hips around her midsection. You know things are getting hot and happy when you use the word midsection. At the same time, he presses his pelvic region against his partner's buttocks. As the music plays, the students then thrust or grind to the beat of the music. Sometimes, the girls will even bend over <laughs> as they dance, placing their hands on the floor while their male partner grinds against their backside. Well, Neil Sullivan, that, my friend, is a little move that we, in the modern age, call the linebacker. And then there's this kid named Drew Barrett, who is the secretary of the senior class, who is trying to refute and parody this letter, and was quick to clarify that... I've never seen a thrust on the dance floor, Barrett said. It's more of a sway. And you know what? I bet he's right. I, I, don't, I don't see people hard and fast thrusting. Fellow senior John Barenberg said a few couples occasionally took it too far, but that's improved since the school started using a passive alcohol test to screen students entering the dances. Okay, narc, John Barenberg. In discussions with students, some teachers have said freaking is demeaning, particularly for female students. 
Um, oh my God. There's a quote. My teachers say that, but I think girls are just as much of a part of it as guys, said one girl who was a junior and asked that her name not be used. Guys, were we... Women, even back then, felt they had to be silent. Women cannot be sexual creatures that have an opinion about grinding. She's basically saying, eh, we're, we're just as into it as the guys are, but she didn't want to be named, unlike John Barenberg, unlike Drew Barrett. Unbelievable. These we uh, we uh, we are slut shamed we, at our core from the get go. We we never stood a chance. And then they they start to interview the the DJ, and it says Chris Vagnini, <laughs> unfortunate Nini, <laughs> Chris Vagnini, DJ Vag. I was like, is this a joke? He doesn't say he goes by DJ Vag, but does he have a choice with the name like Chris Vagini, Vagnini, um, Chris Vagnini, Vag. Chris Vajnini, it's probably Vajnini, like Vanina from Flipping Out with Jeff Lewis. Chris Vajnini, a DJ for Cheshire-based Power Station Entertainment, who was scheduled to work Friday at the dance, said freaking is common across the state. He often sees chaperones at high school dances tapping on a student's shoulder in an effort to create a little space between couples. But Vajnini, 19, he's 19... (laughs) Okay, he's pro- okay. It says freaking is the dance style of his generation, but some of what he sees on the dance floor is offensive. On his own, or often prompted by teachers, he often changes up the freaking prone rap or hip hop song with a Frank Sinatra song or something like the Jackson 5's ABC. <laughs> that usually clears the floor, he said. <laughs> like, wow, wow, this is some outstanding journalism, Mike, from the current. Like, is it really surprising to you that the kids want a little less ABC 123 and a little more 369 damn girl fine? Like, no, get with the times. <laughs> anyway, everything about that article kills me. I read new things every time. It is like, it's, it's, it's so, it's, it just screams sexual suppression of these vice principals who are on weird power trips that just, you know, they're trying to get the, the message is right. There should be there. Sh- it should be more appropriate. People that young don't need to be engaging in simulated sex acts. But at the same time, there's a way to talk about it that doesn't make you the least cool person on the planet. There's got to be a balance. I just oh God, God bless you, Neil Sullivan. Um, somebody in the Facebook group was talking, by the way, if you want to enjoy and be there in five st- breezy, totally casual, totally casual, breezy Facebook group or some some version of that request to join just ask you have to say something specific in the answer segment and if you said just taylor swift or just Meghan markle or something so generic that if you follow me on instagram you know i talk about it doesn't count i am very mindful of this not getting trollish or spoiled like many groups do so i'm just being selective or if you like if if you joined facebook four days ago i'm on to you um like when my requests come come in it shows me if we have friends in common if we have groups in common yeah, uh, when you got on Facebook and your answer, just a heads up. If we have friends in common, I do get very nervous. I feel weird. Like, I kind of want this like podcast to be like a world where it's people I don't actually personally know because then I'm less self-conscious and, un- and I'm more uninhibited. But like when my uncle's like, I listen to your podcast, I want to crawl in a hole and die. I'm like, it's not for you. You probably think I'm insane. Like, anyway, um, a, a girl named Katie was saying, one of her favorite mom memories was not making eye contact with people at Victoria's Secret. And like, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. To this day, if I am in a bra department at a Target anywhere, 
Victoria's Secret or otherwise, I, I, my head is down. I'm not making eye contact. I don't want people to see me there. And I don't want people to see what I picked out. And it's not even that I'm getting anything scandalous. I just need a, a, a sensible t-shirt bra that doesn't make you look too big, but also doesn't give you quantra boob. And for some reason, I still have this attitude of being younger and, you know, women that also said things like on top and you know, slacks and blouse also used words like unmentionables. And so if I if, if can't mention them, unlike Bethany, who says mention it all with unmentionables, I want to mention none of it. I just want to look down and never see the light of day and hope I, 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 I ugh, there, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. I still I buy my under off Amazon. I'm terrified. I just really I, I have so many issues with like talking about weird things as i've said before i don't have like bathroom humor at all you'll not you will not hear me make a bathroom joke and i don't know why it's just it's like this funny like uptight conservative side of me i guess that i have and yeah victoria's secret for me was a tough one there was this period of time where like everybody was getting married and i feel like when we were younger we did lingerie showers which literal nightmare literal nightmare two things here one, I don't want you guessing my bra size. I don't want you guessing my like butt size. I don't want to hold it up in front of people. I don't want you to imagine me wearing it. And I don't want you to imagine me with my husband wearing it. I, I don't want to be like, hey, babe, do you like this French maid inspired corset with the matching G-string? Nana got it for me. I mean, like, that's so weird. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like, why do people need so many silk robes? I, if you, if you, if you have any female friends and you've ever been in a wedding, like, let the, let the record state that every, every female, roughly age 18 to 49, has plenty of robes. I don't like the word nighty. I don't like the concept of a nighty. It's very June Cleaver, old timey. To me, you can like wear one and that's fine. I just don't need to hear about it. I, ugh. And the, the whole concept is kind of like why I don't want people are like, you blushing bride. The whole like in white virginal aspect of it is so old timey and ridiculous to me. And it's especially if you're at that one of those shower and like people's mom, grandparents are like mom's friends are there. And they're all like, oh, that's fun. That's wild. I, I love a garter. That'll look great with stockings. I'm just like, ugh, stop. I just, God bless you. No judgment if you had a lingerie shower. I'm sure you got great stuff out of it. It's expensive. And if you don't do that, you probably won't get any. Um, but at the same time, I just I just hate the concept of like someone's mom's friends being like, oh, he's going to love that one. It's just like, ew, stop. And you know how, like, I don't, you know, older people, like, I don't know. I just think of for that. I don't know the right word. People older than me, like my parents' age, they, like, feel fabrics in this certain way that, like, I don't feel fabrics. You know what I mean? Like, they, like, will feel the cups of a bra or, like, have somebody, like, pass them an item from the shower so they can, like, look at it, feel it, and marvel over the, the, the quality and craftsmanship. It's just something I don't do. And I feel like if people were, like, a using the word panties. If 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 I hear that word, I, I don't even know what. Honestly, one time is my threshold. I just feel like there's a lot of people out there, like a lot of Lindas, just commenting on how cute all the panties are and how you're gonna uh, some god awful old euphemism like make whoopee. And I just I want to drown my sorrows at the Bellini mimosa table. And I ended up just like having six drinks and fourteen canapes. And eating my feelings. And I don't know. The last one I went to, I I got I think I got her a sports bra, but it was like cute. It was kind of like, you know, like it was like a cute crisscrossy one you wear under clothes. And I don't know. I, I just didn't 
I didn't, I wasn't that comfortable with the person. And I just, I, I truly cannot even believe I was standing in a store imagining my acquaintance's bust size. You know, it's a very weird moment for me. I'm like, okay, from here on out, I'm sticking with things that are small, medium, large. I'm going to take a gander. I'm going to round down. It probably won't fit. That's fine. Return it. Get something you actually want. No matter what you do, just get someone a, a filler for a thing that they can return and get what they actually want. Because it's it's so hard to find like a bra, much less have a group of 20, like buying them for you accur- accurately, you know? That said, I mean, if you're like waited for marriage and like it's a big deal, I think that's different. You know, like and you want to celebrate whatever the intimate times to come. That's actually something to celebrate. But I feel like it's a bit of a crock when <laughs> like, you know, the lingerie showers are like under the premise of you like having kept your virtue and your husband not seeing you like that. And I don't know. I just feel like Nana deserves to know the truth, <laughs> you know. And how do you write a thank you card for that? Because I'd say the formula for a thank you card is like, thank you for the blank. I used it for the blank and had so much fun with the blank. Thanks so much for coming. Hope to see you again. Mine mine take me way too long and they're longer because I feel badly writing that. Because when I get, I'm like, don't even send me a thank you note. Like, I'm not always good about sending them. But when I do send them, they're very long and detailed. Um... But I also, they've lost, I've lost interest in them over the years because when I get them, they're just, they're like, thank you for coming. Thank you for this. Love so-and-so. And And I'm like, what was the point of that? Like, it's a formality that I actually don't support unless it's going to be personalized, but I don't even care. I don't need one. Like I, you're, I'm your friend. You're my friend. You're welcome. Um, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. I'm into like etiquette and written correspondence. Like I get it. I, I mean, I just, I'm not, I think that the sentiment is lost when it's completely, um, not personal. You know what I mean? Anyway. I just think it'd be funny to be like, dear Sarah, thank you for the negligee. I wore it on night two of our honeymoon in Greece. Here are the things we did while I was wearing it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is personalized and thoughtful, but unnecessary. Anyway, I've talked about this for too long. I think I'm going to separate out this. Like, honestly, I never got to like this week's pop culture. I'm still going. We're Far from the shallow now. So I am just going to put up this episode as like some sort of nostalgic deep dive. (laughs) In case anybody can relate. I put this, I put half of this episode on Patreon last night because I was like, I don't know if this is too insular to my suburban experience. I don't want to just talk about only things I know, but I only know the way I grew up and I don't know what's funny to other people and whatever, but I figured I'd try anyway. Let me know if you identify with any of this. If you think it's funny, if you think it's fun, if you think a friend will relate, post post the podcast. Tell a friend. Tag me. Tag them. T- tell everybody. I we're so close to having this podcast be at like a more legit level, um, but I really need people to spread the word uh, and you know support it if you can, and to rate and subscribe and review. It's just it's such a slow burn and it's very hard to get people. To listen, and that's why when I do episodes like this that are literal nonsense, I'm like terrified my numbers are gonna tank. But what are you gonna do? It's just so it's just helpful for me to get feedback in any sense. You can always contact me at podcast at be there in five.com, DM me, tag me on Instagram. I'm not great with DMs. They if I I'll answer them if I'm at my phone at that minute, but otherwise, if they get pushed down, I'll forget about them. And it's not that I don't love you, but if you have something you really need to say, just say it two or three times or email me because I'm not ignoring you. I legitimately just didn't read it. And yeah, I'll just, I, I, I promise I will keep trying to do what uh, you ask me 
to do, what you ask me to cover. Sometimes it'll be more recent. I think maybe I read so much pop culture news that I at times wonder, am I really adding anything here or just re-explaining what's already going on? So when I have another thought, I like to run with it. But I do, there's so many things that happened in the past week that I still need to report on. So I'll figure out how to do something with that. But in the meantime, for day-to-day pop culture info, please follow me on Instagram at in 5 Rate, subscribe, review. Patreon.com slash in 5 I, like I said earlier, I posted an early release of the first half of this episode to get feedback. I love using it as a focus group. It helps the podcast keep going. I love all of you who are on there. It means the world to me. I know who all of you are. I watch it like a hawk. And it's incredible to me that people are willing to spend their hard-earned money to help this podcast keep, keep it alive. I'm working on doing kind of a deep dive of the state of the influencer and more about Mormon mommy bloggers and all that stuff. Still working on my Hamilton deep dive for Patreon. I'm very sorry I'm being slow. But much like Angelica Schuyler and Alexander Hamilton himself, I will never be satisfied. Also, don't forget to buy my book, Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, a a modern fairy tale for the digital age. It's very cute, very funny. I worked very hard on it. It's been a very taxing process. And if you bought it, I'd be so happy. I feel like it still has more legs and I don't want to like over promote it, but I'm proud of it. And I really want people to buy it. And I want people to give it at baby showers, which are a lot less awkward than lingerie showers. And I guarantee it'll make people laugh a lot more than like that weird game where people like like put baby food in diapers, which is just truly it's. It's unconscionable. I, I I can't. I don't like grow. Anyways, I, I could keep going. I have a lot to say about showers in general. <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, today I will leave you with a what I what I might say is the single most important song as it relates to our generation that apparently are rampant freakers, f- freak dancing, freaking booty backing, whatever they called it. We. Or just, you know, just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. And you guys might have the waltz and the foxtrot, but we have the linebacker, face down, ass up. <laughs> we, we love a light midsection grab, what can we say? Consensual, obviously. But, uh, but beyond all of that, the, our greatest dance move of our time is the entire room emphatically doing four things. Pointing to the window then pointing to the wall, then doing some sort of itsy-bitsy spider rain gesture of sweat dropping down Lil John's balls. And then, if you're listening to the radio version of the school dance, all these females crawl. And a few more aggressive, or perhaps under the influence individuals, will in fact start to crawl. I am not one of these people. Not that I don't want to be just, you know, even during shout a little bit softer now. I'm like, he's not saying a little bit lower now. We don't have to like, you know, be doing a, a, a duck walk like on <laughs> sitting on our feet here. It's, it's really unnecessary to me and especially in a short dress. But when it comes to Lil John, it's nearly impossible not to do exactly what he says. And I believe it was Michelle Obama who said, when they go high, we get low. And with that, as always. Let me know your thoughts, and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Three, six, nine.